0: Well, my name is Matt Haup. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. If you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad you're here to worship with us this morning. If you're joining online for the first time, welcome. We are in a, a sermon series called Chasing. And um, we're ta- last week we talked about chasing happiness. And this week we're going to talk about chasing peace. And um, I, I love, I've, I've been studying through this and working on this sermon series I've been so encouraged by what God's Word has to say to us about these, these qualities, these ideas, and these perceptions that we have as we walk through life. And, and as we walk through life, the Holy Spirit that God places in us, when we receive Him as our Lord and Savior, that Holy spirit, His Spirit begins to change and grow us. It's this Bible word called Sanctification. And as we're going through this chasing series, really what we're getting at is the heart of sanctification, the heart of change, the heart of, you know, going north at one point, we turn and go south. The heart of God loving us too much to leave us the way we are. So he comes, invades our space, he invades our life, opens our eyes to things maybe we didn't see or weren't aware of, and slowly begins this amazing work of growing us into the people He's called us to be. So I've loved really studying this. And this, this, this topic threw me for a little bit of a loop, this idea of peace, because when we say the word peace or hear the word peace, a lot of times, oftentimes, we can think of war, so like peace from war, peace and wartime or whatever, or things like that. But as we look at what peace is defined as, peace is defined as a state of tranquility or wholeness, a shalom. Nonviolence, a serenity, a spiritual peace, tranquility, or truce. Now, the scriptures teach that we have peace with God through what Christ has done for us on the cross. That before we believed in the work of Christ on the cross for our salvation, we were enemies of God, but by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we go from enemies to sons and daughters, from wrath to peace with God. Today, though, we're going to be looking at this definition of peace, this shalom or tranquility of peace. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about peace. And as I was looking through all the different texts, I could have filled up our entire time here today of of this sermon of just referencing different texts on peace from the Bible. And I wanted to give you a few. If you want to write these down, uh, you can read through them this week. Uh, Psalms 4.8, it says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Isaiah 26.3, which is our text for this morning. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. John 14.27, Peace I leave with you, Jesus says. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In Philippians 4.7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I could go on and on and on from a list. The Bible has a ton to say about peace. Jesus is referenced as our Prince of Peace. And we could just go on and on. But we are going to take our time today to look at that text in Isaiah chapter 26. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 26. We're going to look at two short verses that are so deep and so profound and so life-changing. But that is just how God's Word is. God's Word is life-changing. So before I read that text, let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word this morning. We thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, that it cuts deep into us, separating bone from marrow, as your Word says it does. So, Father, as we open it this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring to life these words, that it would change us. God, your Holy Spirit would change us so we would walk out of here different people than we walked in because we have met with our creator and you have changed us. You've done a work that only you can do. Lord, I surrender to you, Father. I lay my plans before your feet. Use me, use me for your kingdom, for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Isaiah 26. Three and four. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever. The Lord God is an everlasting rock. Now I'm, I'm gonna work through this text a little differently because I like how it works out this way. I'm gonna go, instead of starting in that first verse, I'm gonna start in verse four and work our way backwards through this text. So, so with that in mind, our first point, your first fill-in in your notes as you came in today is this. Peace comes from trusting in God. Peace comes from trusting in God. Now, trust is easy to talk about. It's five letters that just roll off the tongue. But living out trust, extending trust to something or someone is completely different trusting someone means you become vulnerable your guard comes down you real trust has no secrets no skeletons in the closet a completely open and honest relationship so here's what it really comes down to is that real trust takes risk real trust takes risk real trust takes risk because hurt hurt can happen We've all been in relationships with someone that we've trusted, someone who was close to us, someone who maybe even had earned our trust over time, but then at some point they've turned on us or they stabbed us in the back or something went wrong in our life and they fled. They just left us alone. We felt abandoned. Or maybe they just turned on us and attacked us. And they posted all of our dirty laundry on Facebook and Instagram for the world to see. And that kind of a broken trust, that, that kind of attack cuts us so deep. It is so difficult. We thought this person was trustworthy. They seem nice, honest, and good. But in the end, they stabbed us in the back, left us broken. So we guard ourselves. We isolate ourselves. And we, we find in that isolation Even more pain and loneliness. This is why trust is so hard. But God says, trust me. Right? And we say, oh, wait a second. Now, I've trusted people before, and I know where that gets me. Has anybody ever felt that before? You're reading through your Bibles, and you come across the verse, trust in the Lord. You're like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Is God really trustworthy? I mean... Ooh, it's a hard one, right? Like, song, like Proverbs three, five, and six: Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. Here's the thing: God is trustworthy. Let me just say it again: God is trustworthy. He has never failed. He has never missed the mark. He has a plan that goes far beyond this temporary life into eternity. He knows every mistake and difficult thing that would come across to your past. He knows every sin you have ever committed and every sin you will ever commit. And he still sent his only son to die for you and me. Jesus, knowing all of those things, being fully God and fully man still chose to go to the cross, knowing everything. Every skeleton in your closet. Let me just just make this really clear. There's no such thing as secrets when it comes to the creator of the universe. Right? There is no such thing as a secret. He knows every sinful deed. And beyond that, he even knows every sinful thought that's crossed our minds. And he's still, he has still extended his grace and mercy and called you to himself. That's how trustworthy God is. There's no selfishness in him. There's, he's not out for his own. He, he is perfect. His faithfulness is perfect. His kindness is perfect. His love is perfect. God is trustworthy. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that verse says so many things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. What does that actually mean? Trust in the Lord. When the Bible talks about our hearts, what he's really, what God is really getting at is he's talking about the things that we hold on to the tightest, the things that we hold closest to our chest, the things that we value the most in our lives. He's saying, trust in the Lord with those things that you hold most valuable. Trust in God with your checking account. Trust in God with your children. Trust in God with your spouse. Trust in God with your future and your plans, your ideas, and your dreams. Give those to God. Trust in God with those things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And you're probably sitting out there, Pastor, you had me. You had me there with trust in the Lord with all your heart. I mean, you got me there, but wait a second. You mean I'm not going to understand some of this stuff? I'm not going to understand the things that invade my life and maybe blow up my life at certain points? You mean there's going to be part of life here on earth that, that things that happen to me don't have an explanation that I can wrap my mind around, and I'm going to have to trust God in that situation? Hold on a second. Hit the brakes. I thought God was perfect. I thought He had my back. I thought He had all good things in store for me and he does but some of those good things are difficult some of those things are hard that we have to work through and it's in those difficult situations in those lack of understanding times in our lives that god is calling us closer and closer and closer to him The Christian walk isn't a walk absent of of struggle. It's it's a walk with present struggles, but with the creator of the universe that walks alongside of us in it. He never leaves you alone. Trust in him with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding because here's what we know. That God sits on his throne outside of time, knowing the beginning, the happening, and the end, And he has a plan. And he will, in his sovereignty and power, work out his plan no matter what. Nothing can thwart God's plan for your life. Nothing can thwart his sovereignty and majesty and power. As as crazy as our world gets, as crazy as the leaders in the world all over get, nothing can stop God's coming plan and his purpose. In your life specifically, but in the world as a whole. When COVID 19 hit, God wasn't up there going, oh no, I didn't see this one coming. What am I going to do? That wasn't his response. (laughs) That wasn't what he was doing. Oh, myself, what am I going to do? That's not his response. (laughs) Thank God, right? Because that's our response. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? No, do not lean on your own understanding. In this next part. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In the pandemic, in the, the failures of your life, in the struggle of temptation, acknowledge him, run to him, go to him, pray to him. Talk about Him. Run to Him. Give everything to Him. And the other one, in your victories, in your blessings, in your life when it's going great, acknowledge Him. Run to Him. Go to Him. Praise to Him. Pray to Him. Go to Him. Acknowledge Him in every situation. No matter what it is you're going through, go to God. Run to God. Praise God. Pray to God. Give to God. Love God. Talk about God. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and then the promise that comes with it, and He will make straight your path. What a weird way to say it. Sometimes the Bible just words things weird, right? You know what that means? He's got your back. God's there. He's going to make your future clear. He's going to make it. He, he says, make your plans, but I'm going to direct your steps. It may be in the 11th hour. It may be at that last minute, but God is going to make straight. God is going to make clear. God is going to open your eyes. He's going to walk with you. He's going to empower you through his spirit to do and be what he's called you to be. Trust in the Lord because he is trusting. And only when we trust God, only when we trust God, can we extend trust to others. Because here's, here's the reality. God is trustworthy. He is fully trustworthy. We can put 110% of our trust in God because he is good and he is God. He's our creator. But God calls us to live out in trusting relationships with one another. Maybe I just convinced you that trusting God's a good thing. And now you're slamming on the brakes. Whoops! wait a second. You had me there. Now you're taking it to just another step, a whole nother level. Wait a second, what? I have to live in trusting relationship with other human beings who aren't trustworthy? <laughs> who aren't God? Right? Yes. Absolutely. That's what God teaches There's this really bothersome phrase in the New Testament that I talk about almost every weekend. It's called the one another. God calls you to be in relationship with one another, to love one another, to pray for one another, to confess your sins to one another. On and on and on and on it goes that we are called to live out this trusting, vulnerable relationship with God, but this trusting, vulnerable relationship with other people. Now, here's the power in how we do that is that he says, Trust me. You don't have to trust the person sitting beside you. You just have to trust God and lay your life down for the person sitting beside you. Be vulnerable. And and you know what? This is what just happens because we're all human and we all sin and fall short of the glory of God is that we sin against each other. You know, I jokingly say in marriage counseling and marriage sermons, "What happens when you bring two sinners together and make them live under one roof? What happens? They sin against each other, (laughs) right? That's what we do sometimes. Well, what happens when you bring 400 believers together and put them under one roof? All right, real open book, honest church time, people. We sin against each other because we're sinners." And let me just tell you, that's why Jesus came. Because he knew we would struggle. He knew that we would fall flat on our face sometimes. He knew that, that I might say something that offends you. He knew that you might say something that offends me. And here's the beautiful picture of this one another relationship, is that God is calling us in this brokenness, in this sinfulness, to model the gospel for the world to see. That when you sin against me or I sin against you and we come together and we say, hey, hey, when you said this, I mean, I, it's like, I hurt a little bit. Did you mean this? And I say, no, 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 I didn't mean that. I meant this. And you're like, oh, that's good, you know, because um, I thought that you were really just trying to hurt my feelings. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry. I, 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 that was not my intention at all. Would you forgive me? We have the opportunity to walk out this, this gospel-centered relationship of mercy and forgiveness, which that's the gospel that Jesus, even though we were sinners and enemies against him, still went to the cross and forgave and gave, extends forgiveness. Even, I mean even before we're asking for it, we get that same opportunity to model the gospel, this forgiveness and grace and mercy. One another. This is a high calling, church. This is a high calling of forgiveness, and to walk the hard road. We talk about it. You hear me say, do life together. Community groups are about to start where we do life together, and we we gather together, we eat meals together, and we open our Bibles together, and we live life together. And there's going to be offensive things said. And there's going to be offensive things done, and you're going to have to work through forgive. That's just the dirty work of true Christian faith brotherhood and sisterhood under Christ. Jesus is calling us to do what he did for us, for one another, so that it would be a beacon of hope to the world as they look on and see, oh, I I thought after they posted that about you on Facebook, you'd never talk to them again. And you say, no, that's that's my brother in Christ. And what, what he did was wrong, but he came to me and he humbly asked for my forgiveness and I forgive him. That's what we do as Christians, and I love him. And we're going to do life together. It's fun to talk about trust, but it's difficult to walk out trust. But that's what God is calling to, calling us to. God modeled grace for us, and we get to model that same grace, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We don't do it. We don't have the strength to do it. It's his spirit in us to live it out for the rest of the world. The next part I want to draw your attention to is verse three. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Second filling in in your notes is this. Peace comes from keeping our mind stayed on the Lord. We need to win the battle in our minds. The battlefield of the mind is where we we focus our attentions right here. Now here's here's a really cool thing about our creator. Our, Our minds, our brain, is God's amazing craftsmanship on display. I I just want to share with you some scientific facts about your brain, about your mind. No one knows for sure, here's the first one, no one knows for sure, but the latest estimate is that the brain contains roughly 86 billion brain cells. Each neuron in your brain can transmit 1,000 nerve impulses per second and make as many as tens of thousands synaptic contacts with other neurons. Look at this, a piece of brain tissue the size of a grain of sand, brain tissue the size of a grain of sand contains 100,000 neurons and 1 billion, yes, billion synapses all communicating with each other. Grain of sand. All brain cells are not alike too. There are as many as 10,000 specific types of neurons in the brain. Now, as, as most parents in here can attest, the teenage brain is not fully formed. Can I, get, oh, I knew it was coming, Chad. Thank you very much. Amen and amen. Right? It, <laughs> sitting right beside you. No, here's the good news, buddy. Our brains are not fully developed until age 25. Not fully developed until age 25. Now, here's a cool one. Any race car fans in here? Any race car fans? Brain information travels at 268 miles per hour. It's happening right now inside your skull. Information is traveling at 268 miles per hour, faster than a Formula One race car. Isn't that crazy? 268. I could go on. I'm not even going to go on. This is crazy. This is, it's amazing what God has created. Scientists cannot even wrap their mind around the brain. They can't recreate it. The brain is more powerful and uncomparable, even to the most powerful supercomputer in the world. There's nothing that even is close to it. With all of the scientific and, and advancements that we've seen in technology, there is nothing even close. They have, they have even a hard time keeping up with the grain of sand. That is God's creation. That is his handiwork on display. Now, why do I say all that? Why do I give you all this crazy scientific information about your brain? Because God says, keep your mind stayed on the Lord. And we think to ourselves, what does that mean? And There's a great verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and 6 that says this. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and get this, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Keep your mind stayed on the Lord. Sounds hard, sounds difficult. The brain inside your head is amazing. It's almost as if there's nothing it can't do. All of these thought processes, synapses and neurons flowing through your brain constantly all the time is a powerful craftsmanship from God. And it, let me tell you this, it's a powerful tool from God. Now we can use this tool that God's given us to destroy our lives. But God in his grace and mercy and knowledge of his own creation writes this down in Scripture thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, and then writes it again in the New Testament to the church in Corinth, that we have to 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 purpose our minds and stay our minds and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know why? Because He knows your brain. He created it. He knows that if you have these continual poor thought patterns, sinful thought patterns, that, that you will... That, scientifically proven that you will actually create neuron ruts in your brain. The brain tissue actually will create a rut that the neuron flows in and gets stuck in. That's where we get our ideas from addiction. These neuron ruts. God knew that. He created our brains as a powerful tool that can be used for good or for bad in our lives. We have to train our minds to obey Christ, keep our minds stayed on Christ. We are creating habits all the time. Mental habits, thought habits that affect and even determine our physical habits. The great news is we can use this. We can use this to keep our minds stayed on His Word, in His Word. If we can create bad mental habits, we can create good mental habits. Training our minds to feed on God's Word. Learn from it. Grow in it. Man, this, this idea of the brain and the power of the brain explains love at first sight. You can look at a person, and get this, within one day, have thought through 70,000 different scenarios with that person. One day. Young guys out there, pre you know what I'm talking about. She works at the cubicle across from you. You see her, and then the next day, you have thought through all kinds of future scenarios with your future wife? Will they laugh at my jokes? Do they think I'm cute or pretty? What will our kids look like? What kind of ice cream does she like? And the most important question you could ever ask about a woman is, What kind of, does she like cheesecake or not? No, I'm just kidding. Does she love Jesus or not, right? There's what I always tell the, my kids, there's one rule in dating, Christian dating, they have to be a Christian, completely sold out for Jesus, that's it. That's the requirement, going after Jesus. We can look at one person that, with one minute Work through 46 different scenarios it is crazy now think about that according to god's word and obedience to christ obeying christ with our thoughts going working through his word in theology and in the and the just the greatness of god if our our lives look like that in prayer if our lives look like that in worship feeding on his word, worshiping him in song, sharing about him with others, in constant prayer without ceasing, serving others, attending church, serving and using our gifts in the church, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. I wanted to give you some really practical stuff here. Really practical stuff that, that maybe you can, you can put on in your heads, in your mind. So in our house, we call it stinking thinking. We all have stinking thinking that we're fighting against. So I have stinking thinking and then what you can replace it with. Here's some stinking thinking. I failed again, I will never beat this. Ever thought that before? Man, I know I have. Replace that with, I cannot beat this on my own. But he who lives in me is stronger than anyone and anything, and the Holy Spirit can do this in me. Replace that thought. Bring it to obedience to Christ. Stinking thinking number two. I'm alone and no one will ever love me. Replace it with, God will never leave me or forsake me. I am never, ever, ever alone. God loves me and calls me to be a part of a church family and I can fellowship and make friends there. Thinking, thinking, number three. I'm a good person. At least I'm not as bad as the guy across the street. I can get away with that little white lie. Replace it with this. God loves me too much to leave me the way I am. He is changing me, challenging me, and growing me, and knows what's best for me. I will obey Him. That's that's how we capture our thoughts. You may not even know it. Subconsciously, you may have developed bad, sinful thought patterns in your life, and I pray that even now, the Holy Spirit's revealing those to you. And you need to take that stinking thinking and replace it to obey Christ. Replace it with the right thoughts that His Word teaches us and trains us in. Working To keep our minds stayed on Christ. Capture our thoughts. Bring them to obey Christ. We do these things through the power of the Spirit that lives in us. And there's a a promise and a hope that comes with it. Working our way backwards, we go up to the first verse, Isaiah 26. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed. The third fill-in in your notes is this. God keeps us in perfect peace. God keeps us in perfect peace. If true peace can only be found in God, then true peace can only be sustained by and in God. Let me say that again. I think we really need to wrap our minds around this. If true peace can only be found in God, then true peace can only be sustained by God. Now here's the kicker, and this is what gets us confused. We never arrive at what our minds think perfect peace is. Perfect peace is a continual, progressive work applied to our lives daily through our relationship with God. You're saying, wait a second, I thought God keeps us in perfect peace. Yes, but here's what perfect peace means in the original language. Now, this is so cool. I learned this for the first time as I was studying this. Perfect peace means, get this, holy peace. Not H O L Y, but holy, holy, carried captive. Now wrap your mind around that one for a second. Perfect peace is being holy, carried captive by God. We are meant to be captivated by God, His glory and majesty and greatness that it would just permeate our lives and minds and we would be in awe and it would just blow our minds away. You were created to be wholly carried captive by your creator. That's why our world struggles with addiction so much because you were created to be a God addict. You were created to be every moment, every minute, every second of your life just running after, going after and being surrounded by the glory and greatness and power of God. You were created to be wholly carried, captive. Everything, every ounce, every bit of your body and being and soul, whole, carried, not walking alongside, not holding the hand, not riding on the back of, but being carried by God. And fully, holy, carried, captive, captivated. The things of God are meant to blow our minds. His glory, greatness, His majesty on display throughout all of creation, the oceans, galaxies, animals and creatures, colors and beauty all around us, pointing us to our Creator. The amazingness of our bodies, the short little things I've read about our brains, What about the rest of what he has created, our hearts and muscular structure, skeletal structure and tendons and all of these other things that hold us together, that the human body just goes and does what it does. And then we can look at all of creation and the galaxies and get on PBS and watch them talk about crazy stuff, but then see the beauty of galaxies and life around the world, the oceans and the documentaries that we can look at and see. We haven't even discovered. I forget what percentage it is of our oceans. We're like 20% of what we've discovered. There's a ton out there, let alone the galaxies, that point us to a creator who says, trust in me. Follow me. You may be here this morning, and you're hearing all this stuff, and you're like, man. I need perfect peace. And let me tell you this, you need to be wholly carried captive. Because God loved you so much, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, who was outside of time, an eternal paradise, and perfect relationship with God the Father. God the Father sent him to put on flesh, to become a man, being truly God and truly man, lived a perfect and sinless life. And then he paid the price for your and my sin on the cross. His blood that was shed paid the price for you and me. But that's not the end of the story. Three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death, and now invites us into right relationship with our creator again. That's, that's what being holy, carried, captive is all about. We look at the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ. We look at the cross, and we look at that kind of mercy that's new every morning, that kind of hope, and we just give our lives to him. If you don't know him, give your life to Jesus right now. He did what none of us can do. He lived that perfect life. And then he died that sinner's death for you and me. And all he asks us to do is put our trust in him, put our faith in him. It is by God's grace, through faith in what Christ has done, that we are saved. Nothing that we do can save us. It's everything that he has done. And it's trusting his work, not ours. Jesus is saying, put your trust in me. Put your faith in the work of Christ. Come into perfect peace. I don't know about you, but in our world today, we need some peace. We need some peace. We need to be holy, carried. cap. I just want to encourage you with that today. As you, as you live out your life, don't. Don't get caught up in this monotonous day-to-day thing. Man, when when you're going for a jog in the morning or if you're driving to work in the morning and you see the beauty of God's creation, acknowledge it. Point it to Him. Praise Him for what He's done, what He's created. Pray. We need to be a church that prays that we would be wholly carried, captive by Him. Pray that this week and go to him with those kinds of things. Like children in awe of their father, they think he's Superman, that nothing can hurt him. We, like children in awe of our heavenly father, rest in his glory, majesty, and power. And in that, we find perfect peace where we are wholly carried captive. Let us be that kind of church. Amen? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I just pray that you would help us apply this to our lives. That we would capture our thoughts, bring them to obedience. That we would be wholly carried captive by you, Father. We pray even now, God, that you would captivate us with your glory and majesty. Open our eyes and our hearts to see the glories of who you are. Captivate us like only you can, God. Help us to surrender. Carry us through, Father. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song today.